Hey, beautiful. Today we get to hear another amazing birth story. And today we're talking with Sarah Moyer. And the truth is, guys, the beautiful birth that she had envisioned at the birth center didn't exactly go to plan. However, even though there were a few events that could be seen as traumatic and may have been a bit traumatic for her family, she is able to relive her birth and look back and see it as something really beautiful. We know that birth is unpredictable and it often doesn't go according to the birth plan, but that doesn't mean that you aren't still in control of you and your baby's story. So I want you to to hear this story today and think and remember that knowledge truly is power. It's birth power in this case. And in the case of labor and delivery, it's how you remain in control of your body and your baby and your birth experience. Because when things are presented to us in labor and delivery, that means we have to pivot, right? We have to change plans. We have to try something new. We're presented with different choices or options. And whether you are informed of those options and their risks and the benefits or your opinion, or you've been able to form an opinion of what you believe is best for you and your baby, all of that is entirely up to you, the preparation that you put in ahead of time, and up to the care that you have entrusted, right? This dream team that you've created for yourself. That way that when things don't go as we'd hoped, or don't go to the plan, the best case scenario, we're able to play a part in the decision to try something else, to try something new. And we still remain in control and empowered by our birth. (laughs) Okay, hopefully I have pumped you up for this episode. Before we head in and hear from Sarah, I want to reread a review of the week. Today is from Spirit Mamas. The title is A Must Listen, and this is on Apple Podcasts. And she says, Sarah's podcast is a must listen for any mama uplifting and full of little nuggets of wisdom. It's one of the only podcasts I subscribe to regularly. Thank you so much, Spirit Mamas. These reviews mean so much to me, you guys, and I can't ever stress just how truly pivotal they are in growing the podcast to ensuring that other mamas hear these stories, these really, really powerful stories that empower us, like we've been saying. So if you have a moment, If you have a moment to pause right now before you head in and listen to the story, please do so and go write a review. You can do it on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on Google. A lot of the other podcast platforms, wherever you're listening, allow you to to leave one. Please do so. The other thing you can do is send me a personal message and I can use it as a testimony on the website or you can leave a review on the Facebook page. I'll forever be grateful. All right. I'm going to stop talking. Let's hear from Sarah, the other Sarah. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf. <laughs> it's mama time. Hey, my mama-inspired ladies. I am sitting here with Sarah Moore today, and I'm really, really excited. I want to introduce her really briefly 
and, and I don't typically do this, but I, what I like to do is I send out these forms to the guests on the show and ask them to just provide me a quick little brief bio on how they would like to be introduced or certain things that they want to mention about themselves and, and, and preparatory for this call. And I just, I'm going to read it directly because I just thought it was really sweet. So Sarah says, I'm a first time mom. I grew up with a lot of health issues that had a huge impact on both my personal and professional life. And I wanted to be a mother since I was a child myself. My mom has also made a huge impact on my own journey to motherhood. I consider her the best role model I could possibly have. I just think that that is super sweet. I really do. I just love it so much. And I love so much that you want to include your mom because gosh, so much of what we do mimic or think of, or like dream about in motherhood sometimes really can be pulled from what our own experiences were. Right. And so I just think that's really beautiful. So I even more eager after reading <laughs> that to hear, just to learn, learn about you. You know, we had a really quick call last time, but we don't know each other super well. So it's, these kind of stories are amazing to hear. So Sarah is going to tell us about the birth of her first, and she's still kind of a fresh early mom, first time mom. And so we're, we're really lucky today to not only um, get a, a really, really cool, beautiful birth story that has lots of lessons in it, but we get to hear from a first-time mom with this beautiful new perspective. So anyway, welcome, Sarah. I'm really happy that you're here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. When you're ready, feel free to go ahead and just start start with your story. All right. Um, so I went into labor on December 3rd. It was a Thursday at around 1.30 in the morning. It was supposed to be my last shift of work, but I went into labor, so that didn't happen. Um, and I birthed at a birthing center. Well, kind of, I ended up giving birth at the hospital, but I'll get to that later. Um, I planned on birthing at a birthing center. Long story short, um, my sister-in-law a few years ago was the first one of like us kids, I guess, in my family to have a child. She had a child in the hospital setting. A lot of things went wrong there. And it was very, very traumatic for all of us. Um, so when I got pregnant, I wanted to avoid that situation at all costs. Um, so I decided the birthing center. So back to the birthing story. Um, 1.30 a.m. is when I started with my first um, contraction, like real one. Um, and they were kind of how you normally, you know, a few minutes apart. Then I went back to sleep and I'd have another one, blah, blah, blah. They progressed through the morning. Um, and then they started getting closer and closer together throughout the day. Um, originally I planned to have my brother as my birthing coach. Wow. Because he and his wife, my other sister-in-law just had a baby five weeks prior and he was her coach. So he like just went through this. So I was like, that'd be really cool if you could coach me because you kind of know what you're doing now. And that is I don't know so amazing. Else. I love um, that so much. It's the first time I've ever heard that. I think that we need to talk yeah. more about that later, but keep going. Okay. Um, so he came over, um, they came over with their newborn, basically. Um, and I don't remember if my mom was there the first day or not. I think she came over later. I don't remember. Anyways. Um <laughs> little bit of blur contractions progressed throughout the day got stronger blah 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 it was pretty low-key for the first day of labor um then that night is when they really picked up 
they were like a minute, minute and a half long, um, less than three minutes apart, pretty consistently. We called the birthing center. Initially, they told me to stay home, but we called back a couple hours later. They told me to come in to check me out. We drove to the birthing center. They checked me. I was only three centimeters. I was like, okay. So they had me, they had me be in a cup, checked my hydration, said I was a little bit dehydrated, encouraged me to continue drinking. I tried to do as best I could. And I rested for a couple hours. They checked me again. I don't think I progressed at all. So they were like, bye. And then I went home. Um, they were like, come back when you are further along. Okay. Um, oh, the other thing, when they checked me, they realized that she was posterior. Okay. Which she was posterior late in my pregnancy. And then she flipped. And then I guess when I went into labor, she flipped back. Now, did they tell us by um, an ultrasound? Uh, no, they felt. Okay. And then they gave me this like worksheet of a, I forget what it was called, a circuit, some kind of circuit or something or other. Yeah. Mild different circuit. laboring positions. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they had me do that to get her to switch positions. So I go home, defeated. And your brother and is still with you? Is he like still your coach during this? My brother was still with me at this time. My husband was with me, but um, he was he knew that he was not going to be able to be my coach. So that's why we had somebody else. Be gotcha. there. He was there for support, but yes. he was not understood. He had no idea what was going on either. Um, <laughs> so we go home. I try to rest as best I could through the rest of the night. And then in the morning round two, and I labored in all the positions. I did all the right stuff. I was trying to eat and drink, but I struggled with nausea and aversions through my whole entire really? pregnancy. Yeah. I like, I think I was 34 weeks or something like that. I actually accidentally puked in my client's car. (laughs) I'm still horrified by that. Um, like it was just like through my whole entire pregnancy, I was not well. Um, (laughs) yeah. So even in my labor, I still had that. And it was, I was trying to eat and they were trying to give, everybody was trying to give me anything they could. Now he was doing my best, but it really wasn't working very well. So I do all my stuff. And then by the end of the night, I was like, surely I have to be further along at this point. Sure. Um, so my brother had to go because he had work the next day. So my mother stayed with me and my husband. Um, and this is Friday night. I have no idea. Sometime. 11 o'clock Friday night. I really don't know when it was sometime Friday night. We drove back to the birthing center. They checked me. Well, first they asked me again to pee in a cup and I couldn't. And I was like, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to relax. I'm trying to like, let it go. And just nothing. Like I'm, I was just getting drips. So they're like, all right, do you, we need to check your hydration, blah, blah, blah. Do you want us to straight cat you? Oh man. And I was like, sure. So they went and I laid down and you could actually see like my bladder sticking out from distension. So they went to straight calf me and they realized upon doing so that the reason I couldn't pee is because the way that the baby was positioned was on my urethra and I could not go to the bathroom. Yeah. I could not. And that was inhibiting my labor. <sighs> So on top of her being posterior, she was also 
blocking my bladder so I couldn't pee. So that was filling up and then stopping everything. Sure. So they straight catch me, got like 800 something mLs out. Absurd. Um, I felt a lot better. (laughs) And then they checked me and I was four or four and a half centimeters. They did it like right after they did the straight cath? Yeah, because they wanted to see where I was from the day before. And they were like, that's probably because your bladder was so full. Yeah. But you are also very, very dehydrated. So you can stay here and we're going to give you fluids. Okay. So I got an IV. They gave me D5. I don't remember how much. Um, And I felt a little bit better from that. I tried to rest. They did check positioning again and they said that she had flipped which we were like yay she flipped um how are you feeling this whole time like so you've been going through contractions for many many hours now how how are you feeling how are you handling those how is your like mentality and all that I feel like my mentality was great like everyone around me I think was just exhausted yeah but I was just like focused and I was like I kept telling myself six more hours. Was it six more hours or three more hours? I don't know. There was a number. It was like two, three or six or something. And I'm like, in six more hours, she'll be born in six more hours. She'll be born. And I just kept doing that the whole time. And like, I'm sitting there, my mom and my husband are like half asleep. Cause I was allowed to have two people with me at the birthing center. Cool. Um, and they were like asleep and I'm sitting there like, breathe, breathe it's just a wave. You can do this. And they're like, Sarah, you're coaching yourself. Why are we even here? (laughs) Um, it's amazing. Uh, so that was how that went. And like in comparison, I think also because my labor was so slow, I don't want to say the contractions weren't painful, but I kind of feel like they weren't that painful, but I don't know if that was also my mindset. It was more of like a, like what it is of like, like when you tense up, when you're lifting weights and you're tensed up, and then you let go, but just for a longer time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's harder to breathe. And that's what you have to focus on, like relaxing. Um, I think there's definitely something to be said for like long labors where the progression of intensity yeah. is slower, you know, for yes. sure. Because you have time to like, you know, prepare yourself and make yes. that transition with the contractions. It makes so much sense. And I know that you did a little preparation, you know, you were yeah. clearly like these mantras didn't just come out of your head out of nowhere. <laughs> right. Like you, yeah, you kind of prepared in that way. So that's yes. amazing. Um, thank you. <laughs> and that's also something I'd been doing like in other aspects because like growing up with Crohn's disease, I would have really bad stomach cramps a lot when I was younger. And my mom taught me deep breathing. And so I've been doing deep breathing since I was seven or eight years old. So that just kind of like helped carry over that. I have felt comfortable doing that and focusing on that when I'm in an uncomfortable situation to begin with. Cool. Um, so where were we Friday night? Yeah. Um, so we're there. I hadn't progressed. They checked me again after a couple hours. I still hadn't progressed. So they broke my water. Okay. I don't, I feel like the contractions intensified again, but yeah. it was again, just like this process of like checking me every couple hours, finding out I like, I would progress just as much as I needed to, to not go to the hospital. 
for like two days. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were like, if you're not here by this point, I think we should think about going to the hospital. And then I would be just at that point to be like, all right. Is um, there reasons? I mean, were there, were they concerned about your hydration levels or like, what were they, what were they most concerned with if you hadn't progressed to a certain point by a certain time to transfer? So that was in regards to thinking that like, because of positional issues and stuff like that, she would actually be stuck and we would need to go to the hospital because okay. there wasn't like, she wasn't coming out. Because, um, because of her as, position on the urethra or because both, both because of my bladder okay. continuously filling up and because okay. of, um, her position in general, um, because throughout the rest of that labor, she flipped back over to posterior. Yes. Okay. Um, so she just wanted to be in that position. Yeah. She was probably trying to move and move and groove with you to try to figure out how, you know, she's trying to help. I mean, I'm, yeah. The nice <laughs> babies do what they can. They, they're doing what they can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that happened. Um, and it was really nice though. Cause like there was a bed there, there was the tub. I got to labor in the tub, which was awesome. like, it wasn't amazing, but it was better. Um, <laughs> and then it was, I think around 10 o'clock Saturday morning that I was finally at nine. I went, nice. it took me a while to get to six. And then once I got to six, like a couple hours later, I was at nine and I asked whatever it was. I'm sure that felt amazing um, for them to be like, you're yes. at six centimeters, yes. like, woohoo. Cause it can get in your yes. head really bad too. And you know how bad that, yes. that can Yes. Alter things. Yeah. Well, and then that's what, like, I, I got to six and then a couple hours later, they're like, you're at nine and a half. Like it's time to push. And I was like, all right. So I start pushing and we knew that she was posterior. So I pushed in every position that there is to push in. Um, I was doing squatting. I was doing pushing on the bed. I was doing pushing on the toilet. I was like, I feel like there were a few other ones in there that I don't remember. Um, <laughs> And my husband was amazing. Like I was just calling into him and he was like holding me up. And I mean, he's six, one, he's a big guy and I'm only five, four. So it still takes a lot um, of strength and energy to keep up with it. I guess I was also carrying a baby too. So I was extra heavy. (laughs) Um, And I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I'm pushing and I'm pushing. Not coming out. So. Oh, also through this time I had been straight cast because I, okay. So I, I think in total, I was straight cast four times. So there was probably two times I was straight cast and then I was straight cast again to empty my bladder again to try and progress. So people understand Um, what that looks like. Can you say, can you kind of walk, walk us through like, okay, so when they decided to do that, were you like put on the bed and then you were laying there for a certain amount of Yeah. Um, and then one midwife went in with the catheter and the other midwife held the baby's head out of the way because when they actually went to calf me the first time, like it wouldn't go. Um, and then they, that's when they realized her head was in the way. So then the other midwife held the head out of the way while the other midwife got the urine out. And Um, is she just pushing up on your, like, how is she doing this? How is she getting the head out of the way? She had to stick her hands like inside. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, (laughs) But it was so relieving every single time. Yeah, I'm sure. It was because that was that was like almost more painful than the contraction. Yeah. Um yeah. any pregnant so, woman who has to pee really bad and is held in can relate yeah. to that. So you that were half four times. Four times in total. Or five. Four or five. 
you were pushing and yeah. you, weren't, you weren't getting anywhere. Yes. So the mid, it, we got to 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12. It was around noon. And she was like, I'm going to give you two more hours. If she's not coming out, then you need to seriously consider thinking about going to the hospital. And what was um, discussed about what would happen at the hospital? Was there like, yes, there was a whole plan and they were like, the reason that we want to do this is because you have been in labor for two days now. You are tired. Your uterus is tired. And she told me, you are doing a phenomenal job pushing, but you are doing the pushing. Normally in, in this phase of labor, the uterus is doing 75% of the work when pushing and the woman is doing 25%. Right. With me, she said, I was doing about 75 and my uterus was just too tired. It was doing like 25% of the work. She told me, I didn't know this before, that women in comas can give birth vaginally because the uterus does the work. But if the uterus is tired, the baby may not come out. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, and then the other possibility was because I'd been laboring in all these different positions and we were doing literally everything we could, even at one point while I was pushing the midwife kind of had her hands inside to try and like, not pull the head out, but like kind of help guide her out. And she just wasn't coming out. She was like, she may legitimately be stuck in your pelvis. Sure. Um, so they were like, first, we would want to try Pitocin to just give you a little extra kick um, and see if that helps get her out. And if she's not coming out, then like you, we may need to consider a C-section. And I was upset. Of course. My mom was really upset because of um, my sister-in-law's really traumatic birth a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, she started like freaking out. She's like, you're going to go to the hospital. Aww. We're going to section you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, mom, it's okay. You just got to be calm for me to be calm. Um, and the midwife was like trying to calm her. And then I explained that to the midwives later and they were like, oh, I'm so sorry that that happened. Um, but so we, uh, we got to that mark and she still was not out. Okay. So she was like, I mean, we're, we're going to go to the hospital now. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I was like so blank so defeated so upset because I was I was afraid that the same thing that happened to my sister-in-law was going to end up happening to me once I got there yeah um but thankfully my midwives were able to come with me to the hospital um it's amazing and while we were there the OB that was on call or whatever was in the middle of a surgery or something. So I never even saw an OB. I only was with my midwife. Okay. Um, so we get to the hospital, um, which is across the street and we go inside and we're getting set up and they hook me up to the Pitocin and they tell me rest while you can. Oh, they wanted, well, they didn't want to give me an epidural, but they offered me an epidural. And I was like, I just want to get her out. They were like, you can rest. And then, and I'm like, I'm not the one who's tired. It's my uterus. Can we just get the pedosin and get her out? I'm done. Um, You're motivated. I, I was, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. She's coming out. Yeah. Um, and so they hooked me up to the pedosin and they're like trying to get me like registered and all that. And they're like, 
give it like a half hour or whatever it was for the Pitocin to fully kick in. And I mean, I feel like that was kicked in for five minutes and I was like, this is ridiculous. Do you remember what they started you on? Like, do you have any idea? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> but whatever it was, it was strong. Okay. Um, I mean, like it was, they were like telling me to fight the contract, like fight the urge to push, to just rest for a little bit okay, until it builds up. And I'm like, it's built up. I'm yeah. pushing. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Um, and I don't remember though. So the one nurse was trying to ask me all these questions about I don't know, where I live. And I'm like, can I answer these later? Um, <laughs> she was the only nurse that I didn't really like. Everybody else was wonderful. Don't you realize I'm trying to birth a baby? I'm like, this is unnecessary right now. And I don't remember, I guess, cause I was just like not fighting the urges to push. Um, and I'm laying there just like pushing and the midwife was talking to me about trying one other position, I think, um, to try and get her to progress. And at like, right after she, and she was like, can you do that for me? And I was like, whatever, like, I just want to get her out. Um, and then she walks away for a second. She comes back and I'm pushing. I do another push. And she, I, I remember this and my husband remembers it. She like pulled her glasses down and was like, and my husband was like, what's that? And she's like, that's a head. And like went to run and get the other midwife. And like within, I mean, it felt like five minutes. I think it was probably an hour more of pushing. She came out. And I was like, yay. And I was really exhausted. But I was like, whoosh, relief. I was so glad that I didn't have to go to a C-section. I was so glad that it was all finally done. I was so glad that she was okay. Um, I need to go get her. Can I go get her? Real yes, quick? go get her. Yes, of course. She's like <laughs> in another form. Yeah, get her. I'll be right back. Okay. Hey, baby girl. <laughs> it's the first time I've been in a call and a mama's got to nurse. It makes me so happy. Really? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's usually, or, you know, usually they make arrangements just because, you know, for their own pressure. But I love this. Like, this is. Yeah, definitely my life. When I that baby comes, I imagine that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> I'm going to be recording an entire hour, and a baby's going to be on my boob, and I'm just going to let the baby fall asleep. <laughs> you do what you yeah. got to do. <laughs> when I envisioned the podcast, I envisioned this. Like I envisioned. I mean, because what are you going to do? Like your mom and the infants need you, and I knew yeah. I was going to be talking to a lot of mothers. So it kind of just makes me happy. It just like I can see. Yay. Yes, truly, I love it. It's empowering. Okay. So I wanted to ask you, so when they gave you the Pitocin, I know you don't know when or like how, how much they started, but did they have the conversation with you about like kind of starting low and slow or were they like, look, let's go ahead and just try to pump it up to a certain. I know they titrated me up. Okay. I just have no idea what the amounts were because I was beside myself at that point. I get it. Okay. And so then when you got the Pitocin, you were feeling it, but could you like, can you, can you remember at all? Or can you like think a little bit about what that felt like how you're like how that the pushing changed? The pushing itself felt kind of the same, just a lot stronger, but the Pitocin definitely felt painful. Yeah. Like it wasn't quite this it was like the contraction but also with pain if that yeah, makes sense as sure. opposed to before it was a contraction that was like long and hard and exhausting 
but it was a contraction. More just like intense, powerful contracting of the yeah. uterus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. So baby is out and you're like, yeah. we made it. Were you feeling? Yeah. Tell me how you were, I mean, obviously there's like oxytocin flow and you're so happy, but tell me about those moments when you got to hold the baby and kind of what all that looked like. So <clears throat> that was the traumatic part for my husband because everything's yay, baby's good. So we're getting settled and they're going to go take a look and see if I have any tearing, blah, blah, blah. And they asked me to lift my butt up for a second to change the pad underneath. And I lifted my butt up for a second and I felt a gush and my husband saw the gush and he was like, what's that? And they said, go sit down Yeah, uh, because I was hemorrhaging, oh. um, which is common when you have mm-hmm. a 65 hour labor, but, but um, scary nonetheless. Um, and I was like, because I'm, I'm an, I'm a nurse. I have background in this and I was like, oh no, like, please don't die. Like, I don't want my husband to go home, which is a child and a wife. Oh my gosh. And I was just like going through all these things in my head. Um, But they like, my midwives reacted so quickly, so calmly. Like they opened up the Pitocin. Um, They, Methergen, yes. Um, They got me a shot of Methergen. But I don't know if they got the Methergen until a little bit later. Methergen is to clot, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, cause they did it. Oh, that was, hmm, I forgot about this for a second. That was honestly probably worse than the entire labor. And if oh. you ask anyone who's had a hemorrhage, they'll probably tell you the same thing because they have to stick you, their hand into your uterus oh. to pull out the clots while someone else is mashing on your abdomen to massage the fundus. Yeah. Um, so they, yeah, they got to go up through the cervix and everything. And it was horrible. Where is baby? Is baby in your chest right now? Baby has been on my chest the whole time. Oh, and we also, sorry. I'm like all of it. It's okay. I get it. It's how um, it just like starts to flood back. I get it. Um, we got to do delayed cord clamping, which was awesome. so cool. Um, which like with my mom, like this, when she had us, that was 25 years ago. Like they didn't even, whatever, they just do their thing. Yeah. And, um, like she was just like so so pink um and it was so cool to watch that and then I think my husband got to clip it cool um and so then she's on my chest she was on my chest the whole time through the whole hemorrhage like it was absolutely incredible that they just let me be with her yeah um and so they do all that stuff and they think we're good and then they start to, I had no perineal tearing or structural tearing, but I had a labial tear, Okay, which happens sometimes with positioning. Also, sure. she came out, she still, she was posterior and she came out sideways. Like her, her head was literally sideways when she came out. Okay. So I think that's, they think that's why I had the tear. Um, and they go to start suturing it up to try and fix it. And I don't remember what the reasoning was, but they were like, we should probably double check her again, just to be sure. Um, and they checked, I don't remember how they checked. I think they pushed on my stomach gently and another gush. Oh. And that's when they got the methogen. Okay. Um, and I think they unloaded another bag of Pitocin on me. Something okay. like that. Um, Cause I was like, oh, not again. 
Yeah. Um, but they were prepared and they had all the meds and I got the shot and everything was good. Um, and then I think by that point when it had settled, my husband like got up and was able to be with me again. And, um, he was never like out of the room. He was just, sure. you know, yeah. sitting down on the side for a second. Yep. Um, and then they cleaned me up and did all that. And then it was a little bit afterwards. What did they do? They did so. They took her for a second. I don't remember what it was for. Um, because it was very, very quick. It might've just been to like clean her up a little bit. And then I got to finally sit up and I finally got to nurse her for the first time. And she has been, first of all, she has a huge mouth. (laughs) It's helpful for it. (laughs) Yeah. Like from the very first latch, like the only time she's had a couple bad latches and that was my fault. And I'm very, very thankful that breastfeeding has been absolutely no issue whatsoever. Um, and it's just been very, very beautiful. And she's so good at it. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. That definitely makes um, a difference. Yeah. Cool. And it was, it was so relieving when we finally were like done and didn't have to worry about the hemorrhage. I mean, like I still had to take it easy so that yeah. I didn't cause another one, but like all of the initial stuff was like done. And then my husband got to hold her and he was just like cuddling her and it's so cute. And it was, it was, it was so nice because even though all of the things happened the way that they did, I know, <laughs> how you doing there? Um, and, you know, obviously it didn't go as I expected it to go. Um, as I think I had said something along the lines of to you, all of my wishes had been respected. Everything, you know, it's not something that you can control, but yeah. it was as contro- not controlled. I don't know what the word is. I wasn't coerced into anything I didn't want to do. I wasn't doing anything just because this is how we do it. Like we did stuff with a very specific clinical reason I got the Pitocin because I truly believed and they truly believed I needed it and that's in my opinion a perfect example of a situation where that was necessary and where that was helpful yeah instead of just like oh I'm here I'm in labor okay let's put you on this because that's what we do yeah yeah (laughs) it does it it has an epidural and Pitocin they have their they have their places they can be used They can be used well in appropriate situations. Unfortunately, yeah, we're in a place where that's not always the case. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so, and those are the stories we hear, right? And that's what scares us into or what encourages us to look at other mm-hmm. options, which is good. Yeah. Um, was this thought that you had about feeling thankful that, and in it all, even if things went a little bit different than you expected, is this, are these the thoughts that you kind of came to that, that night in the hospital, or is this you reflecting on it kind of in the days, weeks after? I think both. I think initially I was just very relieved that I was not forced into anything, that everything was still my choice and made very clear that it was my choice, not, oh, well, you're going to hurt the baby if you don't do this. Cause that's the kind of yeah. thing that happened with shame, multiple other people that I know. Yeah. Um, and it just made the experience so much, like it, it made it such a positive experience for me, even though when you look at it, just 
objectively, it wasn't the most positive experience. Sure. Yeah, no, I things go a little off. Yeah. I think we talked about this last time, you know, when I, when I was planning for Miles's birth, Mm -hmm. I was not in a place where I had really prepared myself mentally and emotionally for like things to go differently or wrong. And obviously this is not in birth. I mean, this was all like in the weeks following, right? He was breech and I did everything that I could to flip in and it didn't work and I didn't have a C-section and it went as well as I think any of that can go. I went very well, you know, regarding all of it, but you know, I was still, and even to this day, I think about certain parts of it. That's just because it was something I so badly didn't want, but I had just put so much focus and heart into what I really, really wanted that I didn't allow myself the grace or the kind of just acceptance to know that sometimes the plan doesn't go right. And I've been listening to a lot of birth workers talk about how maybe we need to throw out the word birth plan and start talking like, what are our preferences? How would we love things to go? Like, you know, in certain situations, what is our choice? You know, because how often does the plan go awry? Even if it's a small detail to a big detail in birth, that small detail might feel really, really big, but you know, so many things affect birth, your position, like how is is the baby on your bladder? That's a huge deal. I mean, like the mental blocks that are going on, there could be somebody who's reacting a little bit differently than you expected them to react in the birth area, you know, like all these things that really truly can have a very, a small or very big impact on how things go. And for you to end up on the other side of this and feel like you still had a really beautiful birth experience, even though yes, to a lot of women that would have been very traumatic and it would have been very traumatic. I mean, like the whole, this whole time I'm thinking, I wonder how this would have gone if the OB would have been there and would have kind of had to have taken charge, you know, you never know how different things can look, but I love this story because of this very fact. It's like, you know, man, if we could all just be in a place of just gaining as much knowledge, oh my goodness, gaining as much knowledge as possible and just understanding what our rights are and understanding Mm -hmm. that no one, even though we have these midwives and these doctors that are going to be saying, you know, like, this is what we suggest at the end of the day, you are the only one that can really make a call or a decision or feel what's right because it's happening to you. It's not happening to anybody else. They can't feel what's Mm -hmm. going on. And so how cool would it be if we could all just be in that place of, this is how I would really love for things to go. You know, I understand that birth in itself can be risky in times. Like there's things, a lot of things that can happen. You know, I've put myself in a position where I've got a really great team around me and I am trusting myself and my body. And when the time comes, I can make the decision that I need to make if we need to, you know, change direction. Yeah. That's actually funny that you say that because my birthing center actually didn't call it a birth plan. They told us, this is your birthing hopes and dreams worksheet. I love it. Because birth cannot be planned for, but we want to know what you are hoping for in your experience. Yes. Um, And that is like, it is so key of just so much of birth is preparation and mindset mm-hmm. of knowing all of the things that can happen and knowing what all of your options are and then knowing what you would prefer, like you said, preferences, um, but knowing that that may not happen and learning to be okay with that. Yeah. I did not want to give birth in the hospital. I did not want to need Pitocin. I did not want 
different things to happen, but they did. But I don't regret it at all because I feel like that was what needed to happen in order for everything to be okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, you had that baby, what was it, two hours after you got to the hospital? So clearly. I think so. Yeah. Clearly it's what needed. We to... got there. Maybe it was three hours. It, we got there, I think at like around three or four o'clock and she was born at 18. Tell me a little bit about that mental preparation. So these affirmations that you kind of <clears> came <throat> up with or that you were using, did you do hypnobirth? Like, what did you do to prepare? Um, I did a lot of deep breathing practice. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I would go to bed at night and I would just focus on breathing in, breathing out. Um, I did read, um, cause my sister-in-law, um, who had the baby five weeks before I did, did the Bradley method. Um, and so she gave me a Bradley book to read. And honestly, even if you're not planning on doing it, I feel like everyone should read the Bradley method just because it's very informative, um, on like how birth and labor and all that works. Um, natural birth and labor anyway. And, yeah. and it goes into how Pitocin changes that, how epidurals change that, all that stuff. Anyways, um, super so important. Did that. And then guided imagery was a huge thing, um, which it like in the Bradley book, I think they said um, like the contraction is a wave that you have to float over. My sister-in-law had a four hour labor, like from start to finish. What? Yeah, and that's what me. I'm like, I had a 65 hour labor, but I'm like, it really wasn't that terrible. Yeah. And she was like, that was the most pain I've ever experienced in my life. So it was quick, <laughs> she would, intense, she would and have, fast. She would have like, she would have two plus minute contractions, like 30 seconds apart. Yeah. Um, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Um, and so for her, the wave was completely unrealistic. She's like, this is not a wave. Um, <laughs> So she used the, they used, what was the imagery they used? Like in the old medieval times when they have the giant castle gate that you need a bunch of men to yes. pull and open. Yes. And so that's what your uterus is just pulling open the giant gate to let the baby out. I love it. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was just thinking of different things. It's just opening up the cervix. I'm just getting the baby out, like yeah. deep breathe. And a lot of like, in for five seconds, out for eight seconds. Okay. And and six more hours. Yeah, I love more, that. I, I wish I remember what the number. I think it was six more hours because I was like, just six more hours and she'll be here and it'll all be done. Yeah, two or three might be unrealistic. Two or three might be cut like yeah. turn myself a little bit. Maybe six is <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. I have um, to tell you, like one of my so I have this fantasy of when I go into labor, we live right off of a big lake and it's a lake. It's a yeah. huge lake, but man, do we get some like waves, the, the wind will kick up. And so I have this like yeah. dream and fantasy. I'm really hoping that on the day that I start going into labor, that the wind's just rocking and I can walk down there and I can look at these waves yeah. and I, it can just help me really get into this visual. I truly like, <laughs> I think about it all the time. <laughs> um, I don't know how I can co- coerce mother nature to do that for me, but. I want to talk about your brother a little bit. So that was a really fast labor, right? For her four hours, but they did so that they, they prepare with the Bradley method. What other things did he do that kind of, I mean, there had to have been conversations with him aside from him being your brother. And I assume you guys have a great relationship, but you know, like what about him or their preparation or maybe them telling you their birth story? Did you think, man, like I would really love to have him here. And what role did you think he was really going to play? 
So initially, like even before they had their baby, I was planning on having him not necessarily <laughs> This sounds kind of weird. Not necessarily for me, but for my husband. Oh yeah. He's really, he's really, really close with my husband. And like my husband, like it's our first kid and he's not really around kids and he's good with kids. Um, but he was just, he knew he was unprepared and he was totally unprepared. And like, I felt like it would be helpful to have someone there with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to just help encourage him to help encourage me. Um, and then after they had their birth, um, and he kind of saw what happens, went through, um, he was able to not only maintain like calmness for everybody involved, um, but he was just one of the nicest things was to help your whole body relax, just kind of collapse. And when you have a contraction, just kind of collapse into me, I will hold all of your weight. Do not tense. You need to relax. And if he felt any muscle that was tense, or like if I was laying in bed when it was nighttime, he would like go around and feel and feel where I was tense and be like, you need to relax this muscle. That's what he did for my sister-in-law. Um, you need to relax this muscle because you're tense here and just relax, breathe. Um, I love So him. yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. How cool. So yeah. I kind of want to, I, I kind of want to turn to a little bit different part of our conversation. We've somewhat reviewed it. So much of your motivator mm-hmm. was based on some stories that you had heard, of course, right. That didn't yeah. go and they were traumatic and I get it. Like that can scare you into like, I don't want that to happen to me, but yeah, it also prepares you, p- propels you into this kind of beautiful world of like really learning about your body and yes. what you're capable of. And then you have this medical background, you've had like medical issues yourself, and then you're coming in as a nurse. So you know, what do you feel like you, you really learned in doing that research and I suppose preparing yourself, like what was, was there a specific shift that kind of changed and, and how you really believed this whole birthing process was going to go? One, I realized how unprepared now she never, ever coos ever. I'm sorry. I know I've, we're taking that and, away from and you. And now you're talking. Um, so I realized one, how unprepared I was when would I started looking into, uh, yeah, how unprepared I would have been because I would have had no idea and probably ended up in the same situation, uh, how unprepared so many other women are, especially young first time moms, um, and how unfortunate it is in the medical community that that is taken advantage of um, because I've, I, like, I can't tell you how many other young moms I know or first time moms I know that the doctor told them they needed to do this because the baby was stuck when the baby was not stuck. She just needed to, you know, go into a different position yeah. or whatever, or the doctor told them that they needed to do this or the baby was going to die or they were going to hurt the baby or it wasn't going fast enough. Like, I had a 65 hour labor, right? Clearly speed is not something that is that much of a factor. (laughs) You get tired afterwards and there are complications like hemorrhoids that come from it. Yeah. But just because you have a long labor does not mean that your baby's going to die. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there is no, there's no cheat sheet for how a labor should go. Like, yeah. because everybody is so different because the baby's pushing all, like we talked about earlier, there's so many, all these different variables that can go on. I mean, yeah, it's crazy to think that we live in a world where literally we're put on a time clock. If we're in the hospital yes. on like, you should be like, the baby should be here by this point. If you know, if you've been here by this point, it's just, it's just insane. You're, you know, you're not yeah. only rushing mom, but you're rushing baby and baby is just as smart of, yes. as much as part of all of us as, as, as we are. Yeah. So I'm sure maybe you've had some similar conversations I have had, you know, it's, I, I will come into contact with moms who are like, I want to prepare it all. I just want to go in like with just no plan and just wing it. And like, you know, whatever happens happens. So what is your message to that yeah. mom who is right now? It's like, you know, I just want to go with trust the what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't want to say you're going to regret it, <laughs> but you might regret it. And if you know that you truly are going to be okay with whatever happens, then by all means, go into it with whatever happens, happens. But I can tell you now that for most people I know, that's not what happens. And when you don't have that knowledge base, the doctors are going to tell you whatever they want to tell you. And unfortunate as it is, and I know people who work in labor and delivery, like they are on time clock sometimes. And so because they're on a time clock, they're going to put you on a time clock and you may end up in procedures that you don't want. You may end up with interventions that you don't want. And you may cause complications for your baby that could have been avoided if intervention, if, um, what's the word? <sighs> what's the word? Shoot. It's on the tip of my tongue. Intervention felt Not, like the right word, but I'm like, 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 unnecessary intervention, like pre-intervention before intervention is needed. Yeah. Um, that ends up causing complications that put you and your baby both at risk and can have serious complications afterwards. No, not um, even just that, uh, but for future births. Yes. Um, you know, if you end up in a C-section, the likelihood of you being able to have a vaginal delivery after that is pretty low. Um, there's a lot of places that won't you have do to advocate that anymore. For yourself. That's where I am right now. Um, yeah. It's a lot of work and different stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you don't need to go through a whole thing and you don't want, need to want to, you know, be the mom who bursts in a pool in her living room. Um, <laughs> if you want to, then go for it. That's cool too. Um, but just knowing, just educating yourself and knowing that you have the right to say no and knowing that you have the right to basically do whatever you want with your labor and no one can tell you that that's wrong because everyone has a different experience and that's okay. You can have the labor at home in the pool with your two other kids and dad and whatever. You can have the labor in the hospital where you go in, they give you the epidural right away and you do whatever you do if that's what you want to do, but you need to know that that's what you want. And you can't know what you want if you don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I think <laughs> what, I think what I would add into that is if you're truly, truly believe with all of your heart and soul that you would be happy yes. with whatever the outcome is. Okay. But do you know what all of the outcomes could be? I think that's yes. kind of the difference is a lot of women going in thinking like they truly just have no idea really all different types of situations that could, could end up. And also 
what that actually would feel like postpartum. And so that's why birth stories like this, that's like traumatic birth stories, birth stories of women who I I love like VBAC birth stories are my favorite because the first story that they'll tell, of course, is the story of when things went wrong, you know, when they had their C-section and they walk through so many details of what happened at the hospital. And then the second story will be their, their VBAC that they advocated for and how things went and how different things went for them because of everything they learned. And so those are the, to me, I think the best, some of the best stories that you can really take in, because not only are you learning how interventions, how epidural, how, how Pitocin can potentially affect things or how those time clocks can affect things or what the, the atmosphere in the hospital, what that can feel like. But then you're also learning from a mom who has now done the work and wished that Mm -hmm. she had been more prepared for that first time around. So you can like, you can be looking forward into the future into like what her, what that would feel like in her shoes. And you can decide what feels right to you now. Yeah. And then keep that go with the flow mentality because (laughs) Because yeah. things can change. So if you yeah. want to keep that, I think that's amazing. But yeah, just do it, do it in educated, enlightened, and knowledgeable fashion so that you can feel like you know what's going on. And if if options or you know, uh things are approached, you have can yeah. have an opinion on it. Yeah. I love it. Is there anything else you want to okay. say? Is I mean, one just last for good measure. Yeah definitely surround yourself with people who are going to support you. You don't want to be in a hostile environment. You don't want your supporters to be hostile towards anybody and don't feel like you need to have somebody there because they're a particular relative of yours or that you can't have somebody there because they're a particular relative of yours. I had my brother with me and that's, you know, unheard of. And, you know, being with people who are going to support you and do what you want and, and be there for you will also just make it beautiful. I love that. I love that. It's incredibly, incredibly important. And I love the story with your brother. I just think that's so cool. It just shows, (laughs) it truly, like it just shows that if you really look inward on what would feel good to you, what would feel good to your heart, what would make you calm. And you think about those people that in your own life, or maybe what, maybe if there's, you don't have those people, like knowing that that's the kind of support that you would want and need and what that looks like. I love it. I think it's so cool. I do. I think it's awesome. Yeah. All right, lady. Well, I loved this so much and I loved seeing you, you cutie. And I loved watching <laughs> you nurse. That was so cool. As weird as that might sound. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you of soon. Course. Have a good day. Thank you. See ya. Hey mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.